And last, why do people say, hey, I'm I, I, I marred it. <laughs> I'm Kenneth. Well, well we, we've been away, not because you wanted to be away, but we've been helping a, a church who doesn't have a pastor, so I've been feeling it on the pulpit, but it's good to be back. So thank you, church, for, we miss you too, and so don't feel like we don't, uh, we don't remember you, but we do miss you, so it's good to be back, all right? Well, one of the things I just want to thank God for, even today, uh, we're living in days today that people have to make right decisions. A lot of things are happening, and people are not making the right decisions as well. And therefore, one of the things that we learned from the book of James is that there are certain things that need to reflect the fact that we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith needs to be what we call a living faith. And so, if you, have, if you notice, there were questions and tests to prove whether you and I are true believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what you're about to hear today is one of those tests that we need to look at. For example, if you, you notice earlier, the first test we had was, as Christians, can we endure trials? How you respond to trials will determine whether you're a Christian or not. You know, we have no control over circumstances, but our choices on how we respond determines whether we're Christians or not. And so we learn about counted all trials. Another part we said, a next test was a test of temptations. When you're tempted, do you blame people? It's like the Pete Wilson show. The devil made me do it. Listen, we all make choices. You had a choice whether to succumb to temptation or not. If you're a true follower of the Lord, your faith would show whether you truly believe that you can overcome temptation and don't give in to that. A third test that we said in the past messages is what you do with the Word of God. Do you listen to it? And do you, do you do something about it? We said, quick to listen, slow to anger, but not only hearers of the Word, but what? Doers of the Word. What do you do with the Word? And church, so many Christians today who claim to be Christians already know a lot of stuff. But the biggest problem is they don't do it. That's a sign whether you're Christian or not. Whether your faith is real, whether you apply the Word of God or not. The fourth test, I think you saw it last time, is how you treat people. When people are in need, do you just say, hey, you got a need? Let me just pray for you. God bless you. The book of James says, listen, when somebody's hungry, feed them. If somebody's in need, help them. So what you do with your faith needs to be seen. When somebody's in need, Christians, I thank God that many of you today have responded because of the need, whether it's for disaster or somebody was in need, somebody lost something, we respond because we care, not only for our family, but for those who are in need. Let me give you another test. The test is what you do with your works. People say, show me your faith, but also show me your works. Faith shows up in the way that we do things. Church, there's so much talk, but there's no doing. Faith without works is dead. In other words, we're saved by faith. That's, we need to be clear. Salvation is by faith alone. But the real faith produces, changes lives, and shows works that makes a difference. Well, then, I, th I believe you, uh, Pastor Chris was able to speak about this last time. Maybe I think it's Pastor Chris, right? About the tongue. The test of the tongue. Praises or cursing. Church, what you say with your tongue determines whether you are a believer or not. Because the tongue has to be tamed. 
Once the Lord changes the way we think, the way that we feel, it also will change the way we say things. And so if your tongue has not changed, there's a big question mark. Is your faith really real? Do we still say those curse words? Are we still motivated by worldly thinking? That has changed. And so now you put all these things together. And then today, the test is whether you have godly wisdom or earthly wisdom. How you make decisions. So at the end of the service today, it's my prayer that you learn how to make godly and right decisions. Okay? So what I'm going to share with you is going to be very practical. I pray, I pray that church people of God, we know how to make the right decisions. So if you got, if you got your Bibles with you, follow me right now. We're going to the book of James, chapter 3, verse 13 to verse 18. In reverence to God's word, we do this. We stand up because we believe God's word is the authority. We stand up because we say, God, our life really needs to be in line with the word of God, and we honor your word. So let's all read this together in unison. James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Let's read it all together. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Continue. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Shall we pray? Lord, I pray once again that your word will be clear to your people that we will have hearts not only willing to accept it, but ears that listen, willing to listen, and hands that are willing to do something about this. Lord, help me once again to give your word with clarity and with boldness. This is our prayer. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may not be seated. So whether you like it or not, I don't know if you've been watching the news. I see so many ungodly Decisions and godly decisions. Wisdom from the world and wisdom from God. For example, let me share with you. One of the things that has really gotten my attention is that, have you heard about parents called helicopter parents? In other words, all they do is just bring their kids to all these kinds of events, right? Get them all kinds of experiences. But you know what the problem with that is? They don't have a relationship with the children. Because it's all about activities. However, there's a new group of parents today. It's called snow plowing. You know what that means? They take out all the obstacles that children might have to go through so that they go through life, just breeze through life. That's even worse. Because they don't learn how to make the right decisions in life because you're making the decisions for them. Let me give you a warning today. Have you heard about... You know what I'm talking about. You know, when parents today have, have used a certain company to make sure that their kids can get into the right school, right? Paid money, actors, actresses, attorneys, people in power using money so that kids can make it to the choice of their own without even working hard. For example, if you need sports, they can pay a, a person, a coach, and they will make sure that you are in a sport that is not well known, 
but you're exempt even if you don't play the sports. You take an exam, have you heard about that? That somebody's gonna take the exam and there's gonna be a proctor and you're taking the exam, private room, and the proctor will say, paid for. Now, church, that's called cheating. That's ungodly wisdom. And by the way, you think you're exempted? Think about yourself too when you were in college. How many of you have never cheated in college? <laughs> Don't tell me you never cheated in college, right? What about those homeworks? You think you did all the homeworks? Maybe your parents did the homeworks for you too, right? There was like one parent, they felt so bad because they had, the, the parent had a, finished an NBA, they wanted her child to finish an NBA too. And so she wanted to make sure that, 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 that you know, all of the homeworks were done. And so she wrote the homework for the, for, for the child to make sure they get a good grade. When the, the grade came back, it was a C. And here was the mom had an NBA, says, I feel so bad, I want to tell the teacher, how dare you put a C for my son's homework? Then she realized, she made the homework for her son. <coughs> Church, is that godly wisdom? Or ungodly wisdom? And so I'm just about to share with you that the Bible tells us about two kinds of wisdom here. The earthly wisdom and the godly wisdom. So let's go to the scriptures. If you look at James chapter 3, verse 13 to verse 18, it says, Who is wise among you and have understand, right understanding? So let me ask you, if I get a poll here, and let's be honest, right? I'm saying, James is asking the Christian believers, how many of you here today are wise people? Can you raise your hands? How many of you have good understanding of everything? Wow, okay. So if I ask everybody today, will you raise your hands? Says, you know, I'm a wise person. Maybe wiser. Some people say wisest, right? So how do you know if a person is wise, wiser, or wisest? Well, let me think, let me give you one example. Somebody said, thinking well is wise, if you know how to think well. Planning well is wiser. But doing well is wisest. So church, a lot of us think we think today we think we're wise and we have the understanding. Let me just share with you, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. So here's the, here's the bottom line. I know there's a lot of things you hear over here today, right? Here's the bottom line. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? A lot of people today have knowledge. You see this phone over here? You got more knowledge and stuff in this phone here. You can Google the messages whether it was copied or not. You can Google whether that paper you did was plagiarized or not. You know what I'm saying? You can check everything. There's so much knowledge today. I'm telling you, our kids today, they think they're wiser than the parents. And just because they have knowledge, does it mean that they're wise? We got a lot of people that they have all the knowledge, but look at their marriage. It's falling apart. The kids are becoming wayward. They got all the money, but they cannot resolve personal problems. They got knowledge. Is that wise? So what I'm saying to you is that we got people today who think it's because they have knowledge, they already have everything. Notice what's happening in the world today. Let's just, let's just look at it. You know, I don't know about you, when I watch the news today, sometimes I get annoyed. 
There's a difference between news and opinion. Have you noticed that? Everybody has their own opinion. How do you know what's right and what's wrong? When somebody says something, all of a sudden somebody says, my opinion. Is that news or opinion? Oh, it's fake news, it's, it's real news. Who says it's fake news and who says it's not? Have you noticed this? In other words, it's so confusing. If, let's talk about politics, not the idea of politics. When one party says this, the other party says, I'm against it. If therefore this, the other party says, they never get together. So who's right and who's wrong? <coughs> and today, we're just about to make a decision as a church as well. I think this is timely. How do we know whether our decision as a church that we make is godly or ungodly? So let's look at some of the characteristics that have been said over here. It says, if you're going to be wise, show it. You better start showing me that you're making wise decisions. Just because you're an older person doesn't mean that you're really wise. See this white hair here? Some people think this is your passport. Wow, he's wise, he's old, right? So let me give you an example. There was one person, there were two people that were being interviewed for a job. One had 20 years of experience, one had eight years of experience, right? The other one was a little kind of old already, the one was a little younger. Guess who got the job? The one that only had eight years of experience. And so the one who had 20 years of experience says, this is not right. I got 20 years of experience. You see this white hair over here? I should have gotten the promotion. I should be in the, in the job. Why did that person that's younger got the job? You know what the person said we interviewed? Well, because that person over there had eight years of all kinds of experiences. Very enriching. You had 20 years of one year experience. You keep doing it over and over and over again for 20 years and you've never learned. Just because you're white hair today doesn't mean that you're wise. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. Just show it. Now, here's the second thing. In other words, let your deeds show that you're a wise person. What else? Show me the good life. How many of you here like the good life? Or LG, life is good, right? Good life. In other words, show us by the kind of life you're doing that is wholesome, that everything comes together in your life. It seems to be good. Somebody says it's a beautiful life. So when people look at you, can they say, because of the decision made, you got a good life. Good not, not only in terms of material things, but they see the way that you run your family, the way that you make decisions, the way that people know that from your life, it's a blessing that when you're with these people, you leave this place a better person. How about, have you been to families when you leave that place, you feel like, man, what was that? You feel like either you want to run away from that because the home was just filled with pride, or was it filled with blessing other people? I think I mentioned to you, we've been to homes before, even when we were in Syracuse, when we got to this place. Everything was all about their life. Their house was like a museum, all right? So when you're there, everything there has a story. We went to this, we went to this, we've done this, and a whole yard just listening the whole time, right? Then you go to the place to, to walk. You could hardly walk. There were all kinds of souvenirs all over the place. The table was filled with all kinds of stuff. And when you would eat, like, I, I thought it was right. I said, okay, you, you, you're very careful. You don't want to heat it because if it falls apart, everything starts to break. And 
that's expensive, that's expensive, right? We thought it was already okay. So let's come on, let's go to the, let's go to our basement. We, we ended up going to the basement. The stairs going down to the basement, it had all kinds of stuff. My wife knows about this, we're like, huh, I might break this when it, we left that place feeling like it's so sad because when she died, what are you going to do with all this property? The kids don't even know what to do with it. It was too much. Was it a good life? Was it just treasuring goods? Now let me warn ourselves here today. How many of you are here in America for a certain reason? Let's be honest. Why did you come to America? If you live in the Philippines, you said, if it's okay, why do I have to come to America? I want to come to America for the great American dream. Let's, let's, not, let's, let's be honest. We want the good life. Why? Because in the Philippines, people say, if you go to America, you're like picking money from the trees, right? You always send money to the Philippines, and people think like money is so easy. They don't realize you have two or three jobs just to send money to the Philippines, right? So when you come over here, realize, is it a good life? Man, it's a hard life. You got homes, but you don't even enjoy homes. So I'm trying to be practical over here. We want the good life, but are we living the good life that the Lord wants us to be living for? What else? Look at the deeds that we have. Is it filled with humility or is it filled with pride? And so notice what it says. You know what the problem with all of this is? There is a heart issue here that comes from wisdom. You need to have this word wisdom, how to live right. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambitions, where? It starts in your heart. Church, let me ask you today. What motivates you to do what you're doing today? It is a heart motivation that we all have to deal with. For example, why do you want your kids to go to a good school? Have you thought about that? And use the word, so that what? Oh, so that if my kids go to Harvard, the, the people say, wow, they go to Harvard, right? Yeah. And then your kid says, yeah, my kid goes to a community college, right? And you start to compare. Have you noticed what's happening here? That becomes bitter envy and selfish. That's what the world does. And so that's what happens to you. You start to hate the other people who got it better than you. Have you noticed that? Oh, look at your car. Wow. Nakalexus, right? Ako kia lang. Why you start to compare? It says, really? You know, what is your ambition in life? So you ask yourself, what is my ambition in life anyway? It's all about your motivation. Why do I want to do this? In church, we're always motivated by two things. It's by pride. We start to compare ourselves with others. When you start to use pride, you're saying, I have it better than you guys. And so I want, it's all about me, my family, what I accomplish. There's a second thing that motivates us. You know what it is? Fear. What will people think of me? We all fall under these places every day. We need to deal with this. What will my parents say in the Philippines? What, what will the other Filipinos say? What will my neighbors say? Fear. Pride and fear, that motivates us. And by the way, that's what the world does here, if you notice. It's very selfish. It's very earthly. You know what the word earthly means here? We're bound by our earthly decisions. 
Everything revolves around me. That's what the world says. Whatever you want, do it. Whatever you like, do it. You want to become a boy, you're a girl, be a boy, right? If you're a girl, whatever you like, be yourself and everything revolves around you. Here's the problem. Within that earthly sphere, you have no connection to God and there's no way that you can get out from that. Church, there are three things that affects us in the worldly life. First of all, it's a worldly way of thinking. We have to deal with this every day. If you don't change the battle for the mind, you will make decisions like that. Second, there's a fleshly desire. We deal with the flesh. We're still in the flesh. All right? And then third, it's right there. There's a demonic influence. Satan keeps telling us lies. you got to have this to be successful. You've got to have this fruit so that you become wise. <coughs> it's right there. So church, if you do this based upon this, it is all about me. Let me warn you today. There's no way out of that without God's help. Until you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never have the godly wisdom that you're looking for today. If you think that you can change your life based upon those stuff, You'll keep doing this. For example, let me give you one. You know, there's, there's a group that called the selfie group. You're familiar, right? Before selfie was there, I was already doing that. Right? But today, people use selfie to build themselves up. In other words, they'll take a picture, right? They look at all kinds of photos, and then they go to, go to somebody, will you please make me like this? Because they think if they change the outside, the self, it will build them up. That's a bunch of baloney. That doesn't change it from within. Because that is all outward stuff the world tells us that you need to become. That's ungodly wisdom. Now, how many of you fell in that category before coming to the Lord? I have. Haven't you? Well, don't tell me you haven't. Well, remember those times when they had long hair? I had long hair. You know? One time I had to have, like, my wife, curly hair? I had some curly hair. I'm saying, I thought maybe by doing this, it's going to lift myself up. You know what? It's a bunch of lies. It didn't change me from within. I thought I felt good. If I get this car, I have this thing, I have to stop, maybe I would be accepted by the world. My pride will get bigger, and I will be lifted with <coughs> my people. It does not, folks. That's ego. We're in you putting God out, edging God out. Ego means you edge God out. Ego. But once you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is where I would like to emphasize this morning because what happens here, if you're not careful, by the way, why are there, why are there lots of quarrel today? Why do people disagree? Let me give you one. Comparing. How many like to compare? You know, my wife doesn't like this too, but just, you're just like your, have you heard somebody say that? That's comparing. Why can't you be like so and so? You're starting to compare, right? Why can't you? Be? Here's another comparison. When I was your age, you know, when I was in the Philippines, you know, you start to compare, thinking that you are better than them here. That's comparison. And folks, the moment you start to do that, why do you want me to be compared with somebody else? Right? What about condemning? Oh, people like to condemn people. They like to put guilt. Here's what they say. It's all your fault. You know, I have all this problem. 
because you decided to come to America. It's all your fault. In the Philippines, we're much better off. Boy, that's putting the blame there already, right? It's all your fault you put me in this church or this college or something. You start to blame people. That is the blaming game. Once again, because you think about yourself, it's being threatened. What about this? Oh, here's the bottom one. You always, have you heard the statement? You never put the chair back. You're always late. You never do what is, have you noticed that word? People like to use that, right? Oh, you shouldn't do this, right? As though they're the only the person that does things right, that they all, their opinion is always right. You're starting to condemn. Well, let's move on. We all can live in this world. But let me share with you, there's good news. Are you ready for the good news? We're all guilty, folks, because we're all sinful people. We need a lot of help. And God can't change us. That's the beauty about God's word, tells us. If you feel right now, my, 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 hope, my case is hopeless, thank God, because when you're hopeless, that's when God can step in. Because you're right inside this box. No matter what you do, your education, your money, your resources, that cannot change you. Somebody has to help us. God saw us in our deplorable condition. He stepped into our lives. So let's look at the next part here. I want you to look, let's go to the next one here, brother. Go to the next one here. You see this in verse 16, the earthly and spiritual demonic. I, I, let's go to the next one, I'm sorry. Here. But the wisdom that comes from God is what? I love that. But the wisdom that comes from God is, first of all, pure, unadulterated. Let me use the word, it is without hypocrisy. Church, there's a lot of hypocrisy out there. Once you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, all this mass comes down. One of the things I enjoyed, even with the fellowship I had with the pastors last this weekend, when we started to talk about our lives, it was pure. They were saying, you know, when I got married, it was not that easy. When I served the Lord, people would say all kinds of things, but we still stuck it out. I mean, saying we became so transparent. We became so open. Because it's pure. Wisdom says, listen, I'm not there, and it can be pure. It says, God, you can accept me the way I am, and you also have something that's good for me. It's pure. What else? It's peace-loving. It's not there to create envy. It's not there to create division. It's not there to compare. It is peace-loving. It brings people together. You see, when you're proud, you think that you're always right, you, 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 you shut away everybody because you think that you're the only one who can make the right decision. What else? I like this word. Considerate. Somebody said, when you're right, keep quiet. When you're wrong, admit it. Have you noticed that in marriages? Sometimes when you know if you're right, you want to push your, right? I told you. Listen, they already know they're wrong. Something to God, but when I did the in, right? Don't, don't, don't push them, don't mask them. Their ego is really hurt. Yeah, and they said, yeah, you're wrong. You know, Satan does it all the time. But you know, being considered, says, yeah, okay. I know I'm right. I'm not going to press it. But when you're wrong, what do you do? You learn to admit. It's so hard to admit when we're wrong. That's pride right there. What else? 
It's submissive. You're willing to submit not only for your own good, but for the good of the other person for God's glory. I love this. Full of what? When they go, when they do wrong, don't be too hard. Because you will be making mistakes too. You know what, what makes a strong marriage? There's a lot of forgiveness. There's a lot of grace. There's a lot of I'm sorry. Probably many of us sometimes already said, I'm sorry, you still wait. You still bring it up. It says, I'm sorry, no lie, right? <laughs> Keep saying it. What is you, you want me to kneel? You want me to... I already said, I'm sorry. Right? Please, don't. God has forgiven us already. God has forgiven us, but you haven't forgiven me already. I already asked for forgiveness. Be merciful, right? You fill with good fruit. In other words, our life is just filling once again with the goodness because of God's grace upon our life. We become good to one another. That's wisdom. And then what else? It is impartial. In other words, it's consistent. How I treat you is I'm going to treat you. That's the beauty about God's people today. We're all the children of God. And I need to treat everyone the way I want to be treated by God. So if God is merciful, I need to be merciful. If I need to be gracious, I need to be gracious to everyone. Even my enemies, I need to be gracious because God is gracious. <clears throat> Peacemakers. So let me put this all together. Let's go to the application. Let's go to the heart. Let's look at the heart first. It starts with the heart. Church, we need to have a heart that is right. The, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. It starts from the heart. In other words, it's God, help me to be wise. Who is wise? Lord, I don't have the right motive here, but I need to make sure my heart needs to be right. My motive, my heart. When we make decisions, do I have the right motive? If it's about me, or it's about you, or if it's about God's glory. When it talks talk about the head, Lord, do I have the right understanding of what you're telling me I need, to, I need to be doing? When it comes to the head, Lord, show me that I may do things that are reflective of, of the good life, that God has been beautiful in my life. And third, the habit of sowing peace, that my life becomes so peaceful and beautiful that people want it. People want to be around people that are peaceful. Isn't that true? And so let me go to the practical part here. Let me give you seven things. If there's something that you hopefully learn, let's go to the next stage here. How do I make the right decisions? You will make decisions about your career. You'll make decisions about who to marry. You're going to make decisions what to do with your ministry. You will make decisions what to do with your neighbors. You make decisions about buying stuff. Everyone will be making all kinds of decisions. So what I'm about to share with you are some principles that we have to learn from. Number one, it all starts with the fear of the Lord. And the Old Testament says, Lord, I don't want to disappoint you. Lord, my fear is that I will do things that will not honor you. Lord, my desire, and my desire, and only than anything else, is to glorify you. That is the fear of God. Lord, how can I glorify you in this decision? That should be your number one statement there. Amen? That should be your motivation more than anything else. Lord, why do I want this for my children? Why do I want to purchase this? Why do I want to change the career? Why, Lord, can you be glorified? My fear is that it's just, just about me. No. Lord, not about me. It needs about you. Second, pray and ask for wisdom and understanding. Church, the Bible says in Proverbs, we, we don't have all full understanding. We need God's wisdom. We need God's word to remind us. What is God's word say? What is the word says? In other words, say, Lord, I'm praying because I know I don't want to make decisions that will not honor you. You pray for wisdom and understanding. Third, this is important. 
research, know all the facts. Many of us make decisions without knowing what the facts are. You jump to conclusion, thinking that you already know everything. You know the person's heart. You make judgment without knowing the facts. I've seen problems in the churches, in the homes, when people come. People want to get married. Oh, pastor, I like this guy. He's good looking. He comes to church, right? My question is, is he a Christian? No, pastor, but you know when we get married, he's going to become... Listen, you know what the facts, the Bible says? That if you marry somebody that is not according to the word of God, you will see problems. And the blessings won't be there. But pastor, you know, well, it comes to the counseling, the person comes to know Jesus Christ. But already Warner says, we see some problems here. Well, just to make sure it's out of this. The person decided to accept the Lord because of her, so he can get his paper in America. Right? A few years later on, the guy jumps ship and leaves her. The facts tells us from the scripture was that the right decision to be made. We already gave her all the facts. This is not right. But, but because she made a decision, it's about research all the facts. Before you buy something, know the facts. This afternoon when we, when we decide to come become our church, know the facts. Have you, have you looked at the material sent to you? Don't let your emotions be the one to make the decision. When you buy a car, what kind of car are you going to buy? Make the research. Should I buy or should I rent? Do the research because the fourth thing is where you need to look at this as well. Look for godly counsel advice. Church, go to people who are godly. May I say that again? Godly advice. Some people like to go to people for advice because they know that person will go based upon what they like rather than what God likes. Go for godly advice. Fifth, count the cost. Every time you make a decision, there will be cost to this. If you change jobs, you may not get the same pay, but what will you get as a result of this? In other words, when you count the cost, you say there will be problems. There will be inevitable problems, and you need to be ready for this. Because if you say, oh, it's going to be okay. No, no, no. When you decide to come to America, you think everything will be all right? You start knowing that there will be problems there already. The resources may not be there, the language issues, all kinds of things. But you must be willing to face the issue. There will be problems that we'll be willing to deal with this. You don't blame one another because you started to know what the costs are. Amen? Know what the costs are. Number six, prepare for problems and setbacks. I say count the cost, it's there, it's still the same. But lastly, trust God for the results. Church, when you do it God's way, at the very end, whatever happens, whether there are setbacks, those setbacks will make you better. For example, I remember Henry Ford. You know, he was being, he was being uh, interviewed. Said, sir, what made you such a great uh, person uh, in terms of uh, businessmen? He said, well, making the right decisions. So the next question is, so how do you make the right decisions? By making mistakes. And how can you learn from mistakes? Because from, the, the, from these mistakes, you learn things that now you can learn, that you can avoid and learn from others. Now, church, here's the beauty about this. 
You don't have to go through those painful experiences if you can already learn from others who've been before you. You can learn from scriptures. They were not all perfect. Think about this. David, he fell into sin. Peter, he denied the Lord. And there are people who try to, to, to talk to them, realizing that, yeah, you, you're a failure. No, you're not a failure. If you can learn from your failure and trust God to do something about this. What I'm saying at the very end, you can say, Lord, when I make decisions, my desire more than anything else is that you be glorified. So here's how I'm going to close this. The only way you can make the right decision if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here, you don't know the Lord, I cannot make this claim for you. Watch carefully. If you don't have the Lord, you will all be working your own circle of life, trying to do things your own way, not realizing the only way you can make the right decision with God's help is for him to come and help us. He said, I will show you the way we should go. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. So number one, you need to acknowledge that you need the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I need, to be help. I need help in making the right decisions. Number two, believe that he has already given you the guidance from his word. Don't stray away from the word of God because he has already given us the word. The old problem with us today, we know so much about the word, we don't do it. Let me repeat that. You guys know so much already. You've heard through all these years. The problem is, we don't apply it. That's what James is saying here. So you need to say, Lord, help me not only to know the word of God, but help me to do it. Let's pray. Whatever heads are bowed, if I stay close. You know, a lot of us here are making decisions today. Young men, you may be making a decision about a career, or lady, about a life partner. Maybe some of you are thinking about changing jobs. Maybe some of you are thinking about making purchases in your life. Maybe some of you are making decisions what to do with your medical condition. All kinds of decisions. In your ministry in the church, what kind of ministry you will be doing. Says God, help me to make the right decisions that would honor you. And so today, by the grace of God, you say, Lord, I want to be wise before you, Lord. And I will have the right understanding. So this morning you say from that, Lord, I'm seeking you with all my heart. If I've never yet come to know you as my Lord and Savior, Lord, I give my life to you. Second, Lord, my desire and choice is to make the right decisions. Choices that would honor you. Choices, the Lord, that are sincere that will reflect the goodness of God in our life. And that I can be a blessing so that others may come to know Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray, Lord, help me to be a person that makes the wise decision. That people can see the changed life I have. Not because it's about my own pride, what people think. But because I can point them to Jesus Christ. Whose desire, and my desire, is to glorify. What do you say to God? Lord, Lord, be this glorified in my life. Third, say, Lord, would you please, Lord, use my life that I can bless others as well. That I can point them to Jesus Christ, who is the source of my wisdom, my understanding, and how I can make the right decisions. So, Lord, help us not only as a family, 
of God individually, as a church, that we may make decisions, dear Lord, that will glorify you and honor you. God, we want the godly decision that is pure and selfish, that is filled with mercy and goodness, and it's filled with fruit. Lord, let that be true in the way we make decisions, that through our lives, others will be blessed. So thank you, Father. Thank you for the things you've done in your life in the past. Thank you for what you're doing today. But Lord, we're no more excited about what we'll be doing the coming days as we make the right decisions that will honor you. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen.